Then you will truly be successful. Turn the page. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. To those who love God, He has a word on your lips. To those who are called, meditate on it day and night. According to Be His purpose, to do purpose. It's His purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all. Philippians 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Judea, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And that ends our reading for today. Our subject is, I can, but should I? When it comes to the implementation of ideas and strategies, there are typically two types of thinkers. You have your initiators and then you have your responders. Some folks are visionary. They see conceptually what needs to be done and others are implementers. Their job is to make sure that the vision moves from conception to actuality. Every play has an actor and a director. That's kind of just the way life goes. But what happens when you are both? What happens when you are a visionary in one aspect and an implementer in another? 
What happens when your brain doesn't stop moving because you get new ideas quicker than the Daily News publishes articles? What do you do when you don't know when to say when? I'll tell you what happens. You become someone who is too busy to get anything done. You become an idea-frenzied success addict who struggles and juggles poorly a handful of incomplete tasks. I know. We read today the scripture that many people misunderstand. I can do all things through Christ. But the question you must ask today is, does Christ want me to do all things? For those of you like me who struggle with sometimes having too many pots on the oven and you struggle with the consolidation of ideas and you don't know which to do when. So when you can't figure it out, you just pick up a new hobby and you start something else. This is a word for you. Come on, put it in the chat. This is for me. In order to be effective, you've got to know when to say when. Whew. One day last year, I really got it. I had reached my peak. I had too many things to complete, and I looked at my calendar and said, why did I do this to myself? I did some real soul searching because I wanted to figure out what it was about me that obligated myself to the point of exhaustion. After thinking about my surroundings, my upbringing, and my models, I recognized that in my family, there are very few people who think about doing something and then set out to do it immediately. You know, I grew up hearing my parents talk about the what ifs and I heard them dream aloud only for them to dream, but never actually move into action until maybe 15 years later. My family members are absolutely lovely. Everybody knows I love them, but they tended to drag their feet about most things. My models weren't always motivated to execute efficiently, so I decided to not be them. I took on the weight of the world so I could break the pattern. So while my family would use every excuse in the book to justify why something could not get done, I was busy running toward the completion of my second book with the mentality that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. Why? Because in the words of Dr. Batiste Berry, achievers achieve. Even if I ended up in the hospital because of it, I became an extremist in every sense of the word until I realized that I was using my daily life to address the poor patterns of others' behavior. As well, I wasn't enjoying anything. I was just doing. I was just writing. I was just going to another meeting. But my friends, if you're going to do purpose, you've got to understand that life is not meant to be experienced. Life is meant to be enjoyed. You must know when to say when. Why? Because you can do all things, but maybe God isn't asking you to do everything. Maybe God wants you to trim down your goals for the year. <laughs> maybe God wants you to focus on being a good parent to the one child you have instead of planning a family of 15. And the only one pressuring you to be more than what God is asking you to do and be is you. The only one pressuring you to be more than what God is asking of you is you. So today, as you unlock, unpack, and think through purpose, calling an assignment, use these next 24 hours to be the most productive that you can be, but also set some limitations and some boundaries and be honest about what you can and cannot do. Why? 
because God not only wants us to be abundant in production, God's desire is that we are fulfilled as we enjoy the process. Whatever is not bringing you joy is bringing you pain. Know when to say when, because you can, but you shouldn't always assume that you should. It's day 71 of our 90-day challenge, and the topic is, I can, but should I? There is a familiar scripture. I think it is one of the most quoted scriptures in all of the New Testament. It's found in Philippians 4, verse 13, and it says this, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But when you really take a magnifying glass to look deeper at what Paul was really saying to the church at Philippi, you will probably walk away with a different interpretation. He was not saying, I can do all things that I think of because God is so good. So anything I can imagine, I can do. No, he was saying, I've been a base and I've been abound. I've learned contentment. I've been happy. I've been sad. I've been shipwrecked. I've been successful. And in the midst of everything that I have been through, I have learned therewith to be content. I can do all things. That's really the context and the intention behind Philippians 4. But then there's another layer that relates to purpose that I really want you to think about because sometimes when the devil cannot make you bad, he'll make you busy. So overproduction does not equal purpose. Purpose is intentional. Ecclesiastes says it like this, there is a time and a season for every activity. So I want you to really ask and answer this question. What is the activity for this season? Even though you can do all things, should you do all things right now? Even though you can do all things, should you do all things at the same time? It is when we fail to actually embrace the limitations of the season that we end up accomplishing nothing at all. So today I want you to really, really ask God to help you differentiate between a call and a need so that you are not making everyone else's urgency your emergency. You can, but I'm not always sure that you should. And then I ended up connected to Dr. Darius Daniels. Dr. Darius Daniels told me and taught me and showed me. He showed me how to love God on every level. When I went to Duke, God told me that I was going to go to Duke so I could speak in other tongues. I was already speaking uh, glossolalia. I was already speaking in an unknown tongue. I'd already developed a love language and a heavenly language with God. I said, why did you tell me to speak in tongues? I'm already speaking in tongues. He said, no, 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 go back to Acts. When they went to the upper room, those people in the book of Acts, they were speaking in languages common to man. So those who did not study Japanese, they spoke Japanese. Those who did not study French, they were able to speak French. He says, Sean, I'm going to give you the ability to speak the love of God on every level. I'm going to give you the ability to draw those in the White House, those on Wall Street, those cafeteria workers, those on Main Street, those in the hood, those who are homeless, those who are without a home, those who speak another language. I'm going to help you to speak the revelation of God on every single register. And so I've got to shift you and put you in places that you've never been. I was one of the first people in my family to get a passport. And I ended up, before I turned 30 years old, I ended up in Spain. I ended up in Germany. I ended up in Trinidad. I ended up in Canada. I ended up in La República Dominicana. I ended up in India. I ended up in Australia because 
purpose was chasing me down. And so think it not strange today, Holy Ghost, I feel you. Think it not strange today that God is calling you out from among them. Think it not strange that God is shifting your appetite and changing your palate and giving you a desire and a thirst for something that you can't even imagine. Trust him. Trust him enough to know that it is God who orders your steps. It is God who ordains your path. It is God who teaches you all things and wills for you to do what he has called you to do. It was my stepfather, a Polish-American white man that taught me what it means to be a father. It was my stepfather that took me to play baseball when I was playing with the Bulldogs and he would sit there and he was the first person to get me a lefty glove. And he went to every single store until he found the perfect lefty glove. And he taught me how to catch and he taught me how to pitch. And most importantly, he taught me what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his family? What would it profit a man to preach to you all and not have time with my own child? God was putting prophets, people, pastors, and supervisors in my life to shield me because there was a greater work inside of me. No one person can do what God has put you on the inside of. No one person can fulfill every role. Stop looking for them to be God except that they are counselors in this season for this activity. I want you to ask this in the chat, Lord, what is the activity for this season? I don't want to meander through life like a multiple choice test. What is the activity for this season? And in order for you to embrace the activity, you got to learn to say no to the things you can do because you know that this is what God has called you to do. You've got to say no. It was only in a stroke. It was only after a double hip replacement that the Lord told me he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I'm telling you, don't make him make you lie down. Don't make him give you COVID and now you cannot recover. Don't make him make you lie down. My mother's on this call and Lord is pulling her into another season of life. When my daughter, when my daughter I keep calling my sister daughter because she is a daughter to me. When my sister uh, was in my mother's womb, uh, my mother was working for a bank. She went on maternity leave. And when she had my child, my child, my sister, uh, when she got back, the bank told her she had no job. They let her go on maternity leave. And in that season, she gave birth to a daycare that has funded and fed hundreds of people, thousands of children. And she's done that for almost 30 some odd years of her life. And now God is shifting. And one of the things I see that's happening with my mother is that God will take the appetite of the joy from the thing you love away so that you can shift into your promise and you can love it so much that you start doing it even when the love for it is no longer there. And I believe that when he shifts your appetite, it's because he is also shifting your destiny. He is giving you a new desire and you got to go with the flow. I want you to find somebody in this room and tell them, just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Darius Daniels taught me to love the Lord with all of my mind. He taught me not to insult my audiences by speaking at lower levels every single time. But he also taught me how to be practical in my theology. What good would it be for us to have these wonderful encounters of Pentecost and spirit-led worship on Sundays that are not translated into Monday through Saturday. Who am I? I'm the Monday through Saturday guy. I've always been the Monday through Saturday guy. I don't have to be a senior pastor. That's their job. What I'm interested in is how did you connect what God told you on Sunday to your Monday through Saturday? Because you cannot live off of one shower. So you got to take a bath every day. And I'm committed 
to the Monday through Saturday. I am that disciple maker. That's what God called me to do. That's what God called me to be. And every area of your anointing will bring another level of affliction. And then I met Pastor Hannah. I met Pastor Hannah through some choice situation that would have never been conspired. Pastor Cassandra Elliott is on this Zoom right now. She can testify to it. Several years, Pastor Cassandra asked me to come and share at her gathering service. This particular year, maybe about three and a half, four years ago now, she was having it at a church. It was the Purpose Place. It was a church with a white pastor and they had this huge edifice. The pastor did not have many men. Members. The pastor invited me after I went to the gathering for Pastor Cassandra, the pastor of that church invited me to come and preach for his church. He said, you are the first guest preacher we've ever had. We've never hosted anybody. We hope we don't offend you with our honorarium. Listen, y'all, don't let money become your Lord. You might miss out on a mission that God is hiding with an opportunity. And I said yes to this invitation because Pastor Cassandra invited me to her gathering. They saw me at her gathering and said, can you come to preach? I said, yes. I came three months later to a church that had 10 people in a 500 seat room. There were only 10 people. They filled up the first row. And there was another pastor at that time that came for those three nights that I had to be there to minister. His name was Derek Hawkins. The week prior to me coming to do that revival for that white pastor, there was a tornado in North Carolina. How when do you see tornadoes happen? There was such a tornado that his entire church was deconstructed. His entire church was um, destroyed and he had no place to have worship. So he ended up coming to the purpose place with this white pastor. He had more members in the white pastor. And he said to the white pastor, hey, will you allow me to just have my services after your services on Sunday? If he did not experience the tornado, he would have never had reason to come to the purpose place that weekend. And I was preaching for those three days. He came back on Sunday night so that he could hear me preach. I told him a little bit about myself. I told him that I write books. I told him that I'm a discipleship pastor. And then I moved on. We spoke for about two to three minutes. He gave me his phone number and I did not hear from him until three months later. When he called, I figured like every pastor that knows I write books, he wanted to write a bestseller. So I am driving and I am crying and I'm saying, Lord, there must be more to life than this. And I saw his name pop up on my phone and I said, Lord, I don't feel like hearing another person, another pastor telling me they want to write a bestselling book. That particular day, I was disgruntled. I'm not going to lie. I was frustrated. I'm not going to lie. And I was looking at like the reality of my life. And there was so many oppositions happening at me at the same time. And I said, Lord, there got to be more than this. And the phone rang. And I said, I'm not going to answer it because I really don't feel like listening to another pastor talk about his best-selling book. And I heard the spirit of God say, answer the phone. And when I answered the phone, it was Derek Hawkins. And I said, hello. He said, hey, uh, I have a question for you. I said, what's up? He said, do you know Pastor John Hanna. I said, who does not know Pastor John Hanna? He said, well, I'm in the car with him right now and he has need of a discipleship pastor. And I remember three months ago when I met you at that church, the purpose place where I had to have service because of a tornado that happened the week prior, that you were a person that helped people retain members. And Pastor Hanna jumps on the phone and says, hey, nice to meet you. Can you come to a conference that I'm having in August. We'll handle all of uh, your accommodations. Can you just come and do a workshop? In that workshop, 
I was able to talk a little bit about discipleship from my experience that I learned from Pastor Darius Daniels, that if I did not go to Duke, I would not have even connected myself to Pastor Daniels because I ended up after Duke at Princeton and Pastor had just finished Princeton. Pastor needed somebody to write a book. I was on my way to India. A girl named Kendra was sitting on the plane with me and said, I go to Pastor Darius Daniels church. I said, Darius Daniels is a client that just asked me to write a book. She was the through witch to get me into the church. I joined the church because I, before I joined the staff. All of those things happen as I'm telling God there has to be more than this. I ended up at a conference in August and then three to four months later, I was brought onto the team at New Life. I have been there now three years. Let me tell you something. God orchestrates everything. When I set foot in Chicago, the Lord told me I brought you all the way to Chicago to get your prayer life back. Because you've been preaching in my name. You've been teaching in my name but I miss you. And even though I've hidden this opportunity with a lucrative position, and even though I'm compensating you, no, I'm paying you so that you can pray again. I brought you all the way back to the Windy City. I brought you here. I've never lived in the Midwest. I'm from New Jersey. He says, Sean, I brought you here. Glory to God. So you can get your prayer life back. Served and am serving now two years and the pandemic hits and we're having conversation about how i can continue to commute back and forth because a non-negotiable was my commitment to my daughter because of minister mike i said no i'm not going to be a weekend's daddy no i'm going to be at my daughter's recital i'm going to be at every single pta meeting i'm going to be there and i'll fly five times a week if i have to pandemic hits my stepfather passes away I have a stroke and they say, you know what, Sean, we haven't done this, but we're going to allow you to work remotely because we're so invested in what you're doing and the level of excellence that you're bringing. We're going to create a way. Lord, have mercy. We have to go into our 630 moment, but I feel like God needed me to break protocol for a moment to let you know your steps are divinely ordered. And every deficit that you have felt and every situation that you have experienced, God is going to use it for his glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. All right. What we're going to do before we go into this, what we're about to do, I'm about to unmute everybody. And then for about three minutes, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to go back into our 630. But I need to hear the cries of those who know that God interrupted our regularly scheduled program this morning to give you something that money could not pay. All right. We. Hallelujah. 
Thank you. Thank 
Lord! 
you are still the same. But you are still the same. If you are Please, Lord, I'm 